0: You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox,
1: a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between.
0: Hey there, my sexy disabled lovers. It's almost Valentine's Day, and my friends, AdamandEve.com, want me to let you know that they have some really cool Valentine's Day offers for you, and so I want to let you know all about it right now. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled, open your box of chocolates, and let me tell you all about it. Free stuff is the best stuff, but free stuff that will ignite your sexy disabled Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you'll get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself, but it gets even more amazing because they load on the free stuff. When you enter my exclusive code only for Disability After Dark listeners at checkout, which is Dark Pod. That's D A R K P O D at checkout. Not only do you get the one item at 50% off, you'll also get 10 free gifts for your Valentine's Day pleasure. And let me tell you all about them. First, you'll get six free movies that you can download. For your viewing pleasure. You can watch them with a sexy partner on Valentine's Day or you can eat that box of chocolates and watch them by yourself if you want to. But six free movies. That's amazing. I love free movies. That's great. Go ahead and get that. You will also get a free mystery pack that includes an item for penis havers and an item for vulva havers and it's something I know you'll definitely enjoy. Plus... With all this, you get free shipping, and that's pretty awesome for Valentine's Day. Who doesn't want a free Valentine's Day gift? That's pretty cool, right? So again, if you want to get all this free Valentine's Day stuff, make sure at checkout you use the code DARKPOD. So you go to adamandeve.com, and you use the, the code DARKPOD. Again, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you will get all all of those things, one item for 50% off, the movies, the mystery pack, all that stuff for Valentine's Day, which you can use with a partner or yourself on Valentine's Day. Get that stuff now. D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, darkpod at checkout at adamandeve.com. Take advantage of it, listeners, right now. Happy Valentine's Day! content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello friends. Welcome to the show friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality and everything in between. I'm of course your number one queer cripple, your disabled Dick Smith. Your disability awareness consultant, that is who I am, and I am Andrew Gerza, and, um, get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get the show started. Got some pretty big housekeeping notes that I want to just share with you before we get the show started today. I was approached by the Webby Awards, which is like a major internet award show where they, they nominate the best of the best on the internet, and I was asked to submit Disability After Dark as part of their 2020 nominees, so I have just submitted Disability After Dark under the Diversity and Inclusion banner for the podcast, which is pretty fucking cool. That's pretty awesome, because again, I make the show in my bedroom. What is even happening? And if you have been popping into the feed, you probably heard me say the other day that the show's also been nominated for a 2020 Queer Tea Award in podcasting, along with shows like RuPaul's What's the Tea, Throwing Shade, Queery, a bunch of other shows that are just amazing, and that's just really cool, because again, I make this program in my bedroom, and I never thought anyone would listen to it, so like, what the fuck, that's great. If you want to go to the Queer Tea website, you can vote every day, once a day for the podcast. I will put a link in the show notes of today's episode. Um, When the Webbies announce the nominees, if my show goes through, I will let you know about that. But it's really cool that this show keeps getting more and more recognition from big internet people. That's great, and I really appreciate it. Also, to all of you who donate to the Patreon, you are now getting the show ad-free. I'm taking pains to make sure that you get the show ad-free. If you want to support the show at the $1 or $5 level, you will at the $1 level get a weird, awkward shout-out from me before the show starts. And you'll also get the show one day early. So if you're listening on the Patreon feed, you're listening completely ad-free, and you're listening on Wednesday instead of Thursday. I would love your support if you can. Patreon.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. But now, on to today's show. Back in episode 143, you heard me sit down with my friends Kate and Aaron Wolowski and talk to them about their experiences being married and being the disabled duo out in California. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and have a listen. It's a really good one. It's one of the longest and funniest episodes I've ever done. They're really great. I love them. They're amazing. Hi, Aaron and Kate. I know you're listening. Um, they are working with their friend, Manny... Who is one of their team members of the Disabled Duo in California? And we've been talking on and off the like just over the last few months as he works with Kate and I become friends with Kate and we become friends. Manny and I have been talking. And he was like, I love your show, and I want to come on, I wanna be a guest, and I have things I want to talk about. And I was like, Okay, tell me all about this. Now he he wanted to share with you on the show today his experiences being temporarily disabled. He was in a car accident back in 2014, as he'll tell you, and he wanted to talk about why he chose the term temporarily disabled and what his temporary disability and being on crutches for two years did to both his self-esteem and his body and his views on being disabled. Also, he's a queer man, so it affected his understanding of queerness and sexuality as well. Um, The... Trauma from being in the car accident it certainly also affected his mental health and his ability to feel attractive to other queer men. So all that stuff's explored, and I really thought it was a cool interview because we talk about congenital disabilities, we talk about acquired disabilities, we very rarely talk about the people who live in this space between being fully disabled and being temporarily disabled. and. Being temporarily disabled was not something that I had ever really considered until he brought it up. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Manny, and I hope you do too. So here's my, and also Manny wanted me to call this episode The Manisode. I'm not calling it that, but I wanted to bring it up because his name is Manny. So this is my interview with, with Manny Diaz right now on Disability After Dark, a.k.a. The Manisode. Hope you enjoy. Thanks, friends. Manny Diaz, hello. Hey, Andrew. How are you? Good. Nice to have you on Disability After Dark. Thank you for taking the time today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> and you're on the West Coast and the Best Coast, and it's 7 a.m. there, so I especially...
1: California! Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I especially appreciate that you, like, woke up just for that, for me. So, definitely. thank you Definitely. No, definitely. I'm so happy 7. to be
1: on with you today.
0: <laughs> Such a true we Where in california are you currently
1: i am in carmel carmel california which is uh Mm -hmm. near monterey i don't know if you're familiar with where that is necessarily i'm not but i know where l.a is yeah well it's about five hours north of l.a i want to say oh so you're
0: not in like one of the cool parts of california um i like to think
1: it's pretty cool i like it here no that's actually the weather's perfect uh it never gets too hot um and even when it does it, it does cool down at night because don't right even by the water, talk
0: to so. me about weather because i live in toronto canada where right <laughs> now it is like minus for you that's for you it's like minus it's like okay it's like it's like 25 degrees right now in oh, Toronto. wow right
1: up my alley which i, mean, I actually prefer the cold weather so
0: yeah, I know. I'm blasphemer, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I grew up in King City, which is uh, South County, um, maybe about an hour south of where Carmel is, and it was always really, really hot. Um, and then I did spend some time living in L.A., which was even hotter than King City. So I appreciate the cold weather and being in cooler areas for sure. The the cold, I mean, snow, sign me up. Twenty degrees, not a problem. <laughs> I mean. Snow is not my jam. I like to look at it, but I don't.
0: Being a wheelchair user, yeah. I never want to be in it. It's not my thing. Right. Nope. Right. Right. <laughs> no, thank you. No, no, no. Um. Yes. So, <laughs> you you and I've been bantering for the last two minutes, but uh, <laughs> why don't you why don't you introduce yourself to the disability After Dark audience? Tell us who you are, what you do, maybe what you're wearing today.
1: So I'm wearing uh, khakis and a sweater, you know, nothing too sexy. Unfortunately, Um, it is pretty early and it's a little nipply. Yeah, I know. Boo. (laughs) Like you said, my name is Manny Diaz. I'm the team coordinator for Disabled Duo. Uh, I also assist Kate and Aaron, who are the co-founders of Disabled Duo uh, in training and advocacy work.
0: Yeah, I had them on my show a while back, which is how yes. I found out about you and your awesomeness. So I'm yeah. we're all coming together. We're coming together, full circle. Yes, we are. And, and which, is, which is there's a joke in there, but I'm gonna let it go. Uh, oh yeah, I was trying to be like, is that no? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there was there was a joke in there somewhere, but um, <laughs> but tell us a little bit more about you and like and just tell us about you.
1: Uh, Born and raised out here in California. Like I said, uh, King City is where I grew up. Um, Did spend some time in LA, was in Colorado for a year and a half, which is where I was first introduced to the snow. Um, I am currently attending school to finish my bachelor's in kinesiology. And ultimately, I am deciding to not continue with physical therapy, which was the original um, career that I had planned. Um, I actually want to do counseling. So, once I finish my bachelor's at CSUMB, California State University, Monterey Bay, um, once I finish my bachelor's there, I'll try to figure out where I'll go to get my master's for counseling. So,
0: Wow important to that. That's, that's a big shift from, from, yeah, what, that's, a big, that's a huge shift from like physical therapy to counseling. Where, just a totally, I did not write this, this question down at all, and I'm just going to ask it like, what, where yeah. did that shift shift come from?
1: well i I did work at a physical therapy clinic for a few years, and i no- not that the the people that were working there were necessarily bad therapists, but I found myself focusing more on emotionally how these people were feeling, not so much the physical um so there yeah. it was very routine like do this exercise, do this stretch and it really wasn't what I wanted to focus on I wanted to talk to them I wanted to pick their brain, how they're feeling emotionally, where they're at with their injury, uh, things like that. So that's kind of where I figured, okay, PT is probably not for me, but let me venture in to see what I can potentially do, um, with relation to obviously the human connection that was, that I was experiencing there, but, and then counseling. And then I met Kate, uh, actually at the PT clinic and she, Kind of took me under her wing, so we've been working together for the past six months now.
0: Wow, you've been working with Kate for six months because I talk to you both pretty frequently. It feels like much longer. It feels like it's been a couple years.
1: Well, it does feel like that, (laughs) but no, it's been amazing. And you know, just being um, there with her, uh, listening in on um, you know what she does and her clients and things like that. It's just been really, it's been an amazing experience.
0: For anyone listening to us talk right now about Kate and wondering who who we're talking about, go back and listen to episode 145, I think, of the show or, or somewhere in there. And I talk yeah. with Kate and her husband, Aaron, about their experience being disabled and being married and trying to have sex. Yeah. It's, it's a fun <laughs> two-hour tangent episode where we talk about lots of shit. So go back and listen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that one of your longest? The that, was,
0: that was that episode is is still... The longest episode of the show. Today. Raining
1: the long okay, yeah. yeah.
0: So and it's because Kate and I can't stay on one topic ever. We go we wanna explore five <laughs> topics all at once. That's literally right. what happened. Um But no. So but this episode's all about you because
1: Yeah, spotlight please. You're Bring here. A so back.
0: <laughs> let's go back to you. One of the things I love about your when you sent me your thing and when we started talking about having you Be a guest on the show. You said to me that you, um, that you that you had a temporary disability at some point in your life, and I want to unpack that with you. What do you mean? First of all, what do you mean when you say? Because these are your words. You say you said temporary disability. Can you unpack for me and the audience what that means for you?
1: Uh, Temporary disability for me means well, a few years back, back in twenty fourteen. Uh, I was in a car accident and ultimately I was on crutches for about two years. So there were, I was back and forth at the doctor's office trying to figure out what was wrong with my knee. Um, They initially treated me for a femur fracture. Uh, Then I went back still, they were like, you, you should be fine. I don't know what's going on with your knee. And so did an MRI, found a torn meniscus. But then missed, so I guess on that same MRI, there was a torn PCL that they missed. So ultimately, I ended up being on crutches for about two years. So that's really what I mean by temporary disability. And PCL for anybody who
0: isn't in like kinesiology and physical therapy, PCL is?
1: <laughs> the posterior cruciate ligament.
0: And in even more layman's
1: terms, that is? <laughs> it's one of the ligaments that crosses in your knee. So there's a posterior and an anterior, and I tore the posterior. So there's just two ligaments in your knee that kind of hold your knee in place.
0: So you basically and tore the back end of your knee out. Right. Yes. That sounds horrible. That sounds, ow. Um, yeah. Ow. <laughs> and so tell us the story. So, so like when I think of somebody on crutches, I don't think, I never think they're going to be on crutches and using their crutches. As a mobility device for two years, was that something that when they when that when that was kind of presented to you as an option, or 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 became your reality? Was that also like a shock for you too?
1: Yeah, I mean, I typically, you know, just visually by seeing someone on crutches, you typically don't see them on for for long. You know, it's very short term. They had an injury, what have you, and it's very short, um, short short term use in a sense so what was kind of shocking to me was the fact that i had to stay on crutches for so long that it just almost became i i just in a sense i almost felt like holy crap like is this my life for the rest of you know is am i always going to be on crutches like so it was just a really eye opening for me because i just never i always pictured just crutches as a temporary use it was never long term or more than a year six months or whatever as as people get better they obviously get off of them so it just became a really dark reality for me because i didn't really know what was happening doctors didn't know what was happening so it was just kind of in the gray zone if you will and so
0: before all this happened to you i'm curious before like yeah. you became temporarily disabled what was what did the word like disability mean to you before you started taking on the term of having a temporary disability like how did how did disability impact your life or did it
1: it did um actually i had a brother who was uh, disabled Uh, he had cerebral palsy so i was very aware of what disability meant but it had obviously never been something that i personally experienced where i wasn't able to do my normal routine of things by being an able body but it, it just it was very eye-opening for me in that sense because I had seen it I had experienced it at home with my brother but I never um I never personally experienced something like that
0: is it okay if we talk about your brother a little bit yeah sure what was the experience of of being kind of a sibling to somebody with CP like how like I'm curious because I have I have brothers who kind of helped me <clears throat> with my CP when I was growing up and like our relationship was really strong and important for us as brothers How was it for you yeah.
1: i think it was the same uh, we definitely did what we could you know mind you we were kids so he passed away in 94 um so he was about eight i believe but even up until that point we would do what we could do to help him he wanted to get off from the chair from the couch to the floor so he can like crawl around we would help him um, Whenever he was reaching for something or he wanted his toy he didn't have um he wasn't able to speak properly so it was like just mainly gesture hand gestures and some grunting but we kind of figured we would just piece it together like okay he's grunting he's pointing at his toy he needs to get his toy so or he was pointing to the floor he wanted to get down so we would just do what we could to help him but no the relationship was i mean as kids even just as kids it was it was a really great strong relationship
0: yeah that's great i mean it's also, it's tough when you are a kid and you don't understand what's happening to somebody who has a disability, and you may not understand that he might have needed different care, and it, might, it was probably right. different for you to see him to see him in that state as a kid.
1: Right, right.
0: So it's definitely it was really eye opening. For sure, and so yeah. the, I guess that kind of um, that experience of being his brother gave you. Did it, did, would you say it gave you like a, a passion to work with people with disabilities or to want to have that in your
1: life? It did. It did. And especially after, uh, you know, talking with Kate and us discussing, you know, the, the discrimination that some people with disabilities experience, it definitely fueled the fire. It definitely fueled the fire. I feel like I had always been an advocate for people with disabilities, but even more so after meeting with Kate and working with her. Um, that I became really just adamant about making things right and making a better place for, for people with disabilities, because I I just hate that notion that it's almost like some people feel or treat people with disabilities as like second-class citizens, like not people, which is, which I think is complete bullshit.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is, it is bullshit. Bullshit. Unfortunately, it happens like all the time, but, but, um, so before you became temporarily disabled like yeah and having the experience with your brother when you mm-hmm. were out in the world and you saw a disabled person how like how did you how did you treat them
1: um <sighs> i i treated them obviously as people but i know one thing that i did that i probably shouldn't have done is tried to help them with absolutely every single thing because not every disabled person wants to be assisted with every single thing they they want to be independent they want to be able to do things on their own but i think how i because i was so used to you know it helping my Brother at the time, where he needed absolutely everything. So that was my notion of disabled individuals like, okay, I need to help them. Do you need help getting in? Do you need help getting out? What do you need help with? Like, but I mean, in most cases, sure, it's appreciated. And some disabled individuals do need help with this or that. But for me, it was more so learning to back off and just if they asked me to help them, then I would help them, but not be so overbearing. Like, what can I help you with? What do you need to be done? Like, kind of being. <laughs> annoying in a sense about and it. And
0: what did it feel like for you? Like I'm curious because, I, and you said you you know learning to back off. What did it feel like for you to like? How did you get to a place where you could? Because because I, I think a lot of people echo what you're saying in that they see a disabled person and they want to help. Not not necessarily to be the hero or to be the guy that like stepped in and saved the day, but they right. genuinely want to help because they want to help. So huh. how do you think? Like how did, how was it for you to like step back and be like, no, I'm not going to help. I'm going to let this person try.
1: Um, <laughs> It was really hard to be perfectly honest with you. I am very, I'm very observant of people and I'm also very observant of people. You know, if, if I'm kind of jumping to their help their you know, I'm jumping to any potential thing that they might need and, that's one thing I needed to back up on because I was very, even with Kate, I'll see something and I'm jumping to it. Or even with like my family now, I see something and I just like jump to it. I need to just wait to see A, if they even need me or B, it just, just allowing them the opportunity to ask because it was just very, I would just jump to it. But that yeah. was a little hard for me. Because I'm just so used to, like, boom, boom, boom. What do you need? Let me help you. Let me help you. Um, that was just really good well, mentality. You know,
0: given what you told us, too, about your family, and, like, yeah. y- your, it sounded like you were, like, were you the older brother? Uh, middle. Okay. So were you, but, uh, between you and Gabriel was his name, right? So uh, Oh, okay. I'm totally. I'm sorry. I don't know why I That's thought okay. it was Gabriel. Um, so, so between the two of you, though, were you...
1: Older, or younger. He was a year younger than me.
0: Okay, so yeah. the point the point of making is then because you were the older brother of the two of you, mm. you probably felt some responsibility to like go in there and help.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And so that's probably like that's probably where that came from. Yeah, big brother mode, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> tell me how how do you feel about the term? Like you chose the term temporarily disabled. How do you feel about? Mm using temporarily disabled and why do you feel like that's a term you want to use for your experience
1: well it just really it, it became one of those things where it, it was no longer just an injury for me which is what a lot of people kind of you know short-term few months type of deal where you're unable to walk or you're unable to stand or what have you because of an injury but I choose to use that term temporarily disabled because obviously I wasn't able to do my normal day-to-day things. I couldn't drive. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. Obviously I had to be really mindful about where to park, how far the entrance was, uh, whether it was raining, whether my crutches would give up under me and like I'd eat shit on the sidewalk. (laughs) Um, Just being more, just being mindful of, of those certain aspects that normally i wouldn't think of i wouldn't think about how far this this location is where am i walking to are there stairs is there a ramp things like that that you just don't think like going upstairs on crutches is crazy i can I mean, imagine I it.
0: It, it would be super did it,
1: but you know it just yeah the the ramps were just so inconvenient in a sense where they were like all the way around but then it's like would I rather just try to do these few steps or literally walk around the building and then go through the, the ramp, if you will. But yeah, it was just, it was just an interesting experience at school. So So it made you kind of,
0: so you, you kind of had to take on, you kind of had to use the term disabled to really get your needs met. It sounds like, because if you've said, Oh, I just have an injury, then people wouldn't take it as seriously. Right. Right. Like, and so did this mean that you, like, I'm picturing you on crutches just kind of hobbling around for two years. Is that kind of like, I'm picturing you with your leg up off the air and like one one leg on the ground yeah, and one leg in exactly. the air. Was that, was that you for two years? Yep. Wow.
1: And yeah, that's exactly what it was.
0: Like, did they, did they like give you, now because you were on crutches for two years, did they give you like some, were there special crutches that you would? Have access to because it was more permanent than, say, a six month injury,
1: or was it just like? No, what ended up happening is out of every, so I had three surgeries ultimately. So out of those three surgeries, I got a brand new pair of crutches. So when I was first treated for my femur fracture, I got a pair of crutches. Then when I got um, the meniscus tear um, surgery done, there was another pair, and then the PCL. So I had another, so I had three pairs of crutches altogether. Um, but i didn't know there was a, actually a few options to having like a more comfortable crutch it was kind of like a i mean i forget the name of the company but it was it looked super bizarre because you know you just think crutches very basic model of yeah like i'm crutch. picturing
0: like i'm picturing like the the plastic ones with the thing with the arm yeah. things or like wooden totally. ones the, um, that's what i'm picturing
1: yeah there was one that had like almost a was it It was like a spring where the the armpits would be and it was like the grip was a little bit different um i'm obviously i saw these way after because i'm like oh my god that looks so much more comfortable than the crutches that i used to have but you know you do what you can with what you're given at the so yeah of course (laughs) um how
0: did people treat you when you when you had this injury and became temporarily, temporarily disabled. I mean, I talked to so many people with, with acquired disabilities or um, congenital disabilities who say mm. non-disabled pe- people, treat them pretty differently because of their disabilities. Did you notice that people, that people changed the way they treated you when you became temporarily yeah, disabled?
1: Definitely. I almost felt like a celebrity. and that sounds super <laughs> weird to say. <laughs> But never never heard described that way. Seriously, a I was six foot four, so I stood out. Period. Right. Yeah, then I'm on crutches. Right. And but what it was for me is people just around me, people that I didn't even know how what happened to you. Like, let me get that for you. Like, really going above and beyond because in their eyes, I can't do it or I'm having trouble doing something. But it was just people just. I'll be like, oh, my God, what happened to you? Oh, let me get the door for you. Um, do you need anything? Like, it was just a, a really weird, and I was at school during this time, um, but it was just really bizarre that it it felt like people were more interested in, in me, in a sense, rather, if I had been able-bodied, totally back to normal, if you will. I mean, I don't know there's a such term as normal, but, you know, just how I was before, they probably wouldn't even – pay that much attention to me and did you did you like enjoy the attention Were you like yeah this is no cool. no stop asking me it was so fucking annoying
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's kind of funny that like- <laughs> and
1: that's the one thing like one thing i learned now is when i see someone who has who even yeah who has a disability of any kind i'm not like so what happened to you like th- i think this is the worst <laughs> thing because there's already so many people that are just giving, like, asking, like, hey, what happened? And I'm sure people are – I mean, I got tired of hearing it, of people asking me, like, what happened? Oh, what's what's wrong with your knee? Like, what? And you're like, well, something I don't is, even know you. you
0: yeah, like, you don't have to – so did it give you, like – did it give you a, a new lens on, on like, ableism and people's – how people's curiosity and, and their want yeah. to help can also – kind of turn toxic sometimes
1: it's yeah which made me obviously more aware of things that i do now with uh, in regards to seeing people with disabilities whether i even mention anything as far as uh, helping
0: them (laughs) other than being like overly helpful which which yeah which i get other than that one which you've kind of touched on already what things would you what things what things would you do that you wouldn't do now that you've
1: now that you've experienced temporary disability? Never ask. Uh, I feel like it should always be something that they bring up, not you bring up. Um, a, because obviously maybe they've heard it a million and ten times and they don't want to continue to hear what happened. Why are you like this? Were you born this? You know what I mean?
0: It's just so annoying. Did someone actually say to you with the crutches in your arm, were you born this way?
1: One as a joke, but I'm like, I don't know if that was as a joke or if you literally, because I had been on crutches for so long.
0: I also like how you just I said. Had I also like how you just said "legitimately." Legitimately, did?
1: I... Hmm. Well, I just made a word. You're welcome.
0: Amazing. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what are some of the like? Did because now because this is a sex podcast and because course so i, I want to ask you because of my disability people mm-hmm. always ask me all the time when they see me in, in the wheelchair like the second question they ask me aside from what happened to you is like does your dick work so when you became temporarily oh. disabled did questions about your dick start popping up
1: no oh. it did not but did. that doesn't mean that i didn't have any issues because i did let's go there let's dive into my penis okay great well um (laughs) no what it was for me at the time um you know there there was certain positions that I couldn't get in I couldn't bend my knee so I couldn't get on my knees I couldn't like get on my knees on the bed there was just I, I just physiologically did not feel like myself so And mentally, also, there was a lot of things mentally that I was dealing with at the time. So I just felt that there were certain instances where I could not get an erection. I couldn't get hard. I I try and I just end up getting really frustrated with myself. But I, I just never, I just assumed, I'm like, okay, this is just what it is right now.
0: But But you you wanna
1: always it was always kind of like the flip of the coin is like, okay, well, does this person understand this? This person that I'm with or that I'm having sex with, like, do they get it? Or is it just they're just like, oh, he doesn't work, or his shit's like limpy limpy. Did you
0: did you ever encounter like and just to be clear, you're a queer man, right? Yes. Okay. Um did you ever encounter with a sexual partner when you were temporarily disabled that, that they were weird about it? Did, do you have any like, stories
1: about that? No, realistically. I mean, I really only did that once or until I. And then I figured I probably shouldn't be doing this right now. But even on my own, like if I did, if I was trying to masturbate just at home, I just felt that I just had a difficulty with it. But I think it, it did just what I feel it was is the trauma that I had experienced through this car accident and kind of the mental things that I hadn't dealt with at the time that were just completely just, oof. And my wh- body was a trip too. So. Yeah. And
0: what are some of the, what were some of those mental things for you as like, for you as like a queer man, what were some of those mental things when you had the accident that you were trying to cope with?
1: Um, There during the time of the accident, there was a breakup, so I was still trying to sort things out in that relation. But also, kind of, it was also me trying to figure out what I was doing with my life at the time. I didn't feel like uh, there was a clear goal. There wasn't something that I was striving for. I was just kind of going with emotions at the point at that point. And for me, it was more so trying to figure out what i wanted to do with my life but also processing what had happened and the prior breakup so there was just a lot that and obviously no one to talk to because i didn't know that i had options to speak with a counselor or a therapist in regards to that so
0: so you so on top of being temporarily disabled and trying to figure out how to like jerk off with a torn knee you also then had like no one to like Talk to about how to jerk off with a tourney
1: Yeah, no one the the discussion never came up. It was almost like, okay, you're disabled. You're not supposed to have sex, or it's not a, something that you should be doing right now, because it was never brought up. Nothing ever. No one ever said anything like, hey, maybe you might be experiencing erectile issues because of the trauma your body experienced during this accident. Like, even if it was just as vague as that, just bringing it up and letting people be, letting people know you know, that that could potentially be something that happens. Yeah. Versus and I I'm mean, on myself and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, fuck, my dick doesn't work. Like who's going to want to date me? <laughs> lots you know, of things people like that. because
0: you're hot. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm starting with you. And yes, I have consent to do that. Um, <laughs> don't worry. I checked before we hit record. Uh, <laughs> so no, but like, the, the thing you say about like doctors bringing it up, but like you hear from a lot of people who are who are who acquire their disabilities permanently through car accidents and stuff like that. And I'm sure you experienced this when you were a PT clients who acquired disability who, you know, they talk all the time about how they can't get erections and how they can't get hard right. because of paralysis. And it would be great if the doctors would talk about that with you when, when you acquire disability too
1: yeah i just hate that doctors are so touchy touchy about that like it's not something that they want to bring up or even even if they're uncomfortable just having like a pamphlet if if anything like hey this these things might also be going on with you during this time i'm just gonna leave this with you what do you
0: think think uh, the pamphlet would say i I feel like the i feel like the pamphlet might say like so your
1: dick can't get hard anymore. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> this might be why. If you have any further questions, contact me. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Um, no, but I, I do. I like that was, a, I was joking. But like, but like I, I do think a pamphlet for like, hey, so you've temporarily become disabled or you've acquired your disability or you have a congenital disability and you have trouble with directions. Here's, here's some information for you. That would be, I think that would be super helpful.
1: And also tying in mental health too, because that's something that people don't really think about, especially with with those individuals that have had um, really traumatic um, experiences. And I think it's just also important to just bring that all together, you know, having it one whole, like you legitimately taking care of this person, not just like, okay, I'm the orthopedic. Let me fix the broken bones and like be on your way. Like actually being more inclusive with every other aspect of their health and so that overall they're they're healthy they're, they they're aware of the things that can happen or are happening what was one of the
0: like other than you being being unable to masturbate and unable to like get into certain positions what was some of the other ways that your temporary temporarily disabled body made you reconsider sex and disability or sexuality generally
1: well, after that one incident, I just figured I I wasn't I wasn't physically able to do it anymore. Uh, wow, so you were like actually resigned to the I was just like, okay, I'm not gonna do this. Like this is embarrassing. I'm not gonna show up and try to have sex with someone and then have it not work. But also like I'm showing up and crutches and for me it just wasn't I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like I was attractive. So there was a lot of things playing in my head at the time that just ultimately I convinced myself that, no, this is not something you should be doing right now.
0: Yeah, totally. And I, I, I think, did you ever like, did you ever show up on crutches and, and like have somebody give you a weird look? Like, oh, did no, you ever- <laughs> no,
1: but I do remember this one time. I mean, mind you, it was the one time I did it, and I had, alri- I had already had weird feelings about doing it, but I went to a club with crutches. Oh, wow. And yeah, my fucking balls. And <laughs> sure enough, it was so awkward, because clubs are generally pretty packed. But and I they're was just generally
0: a- already not accessible for, like, right. most people. So I was yeah. like,
1: at, again, same thing after that, because it was such a tight space. I couldn't really move anywhere, like you know people are dancing they're like dancing really close to each other it's just it's always like a sardine situation where everyone's like sacked up yeah and ever since then i was like you know i can't do this this is crazy like i can't be out at a club while i'm still on crutches like i just can't this is something i can't do right now
0: and so like (laughs) i'm trying to picture you six foot four torn meniscus (laughs) on crutches like what were you did you like post up
1: against the wall for the night you were there like what did you do in this club pretty much yeah and then <laughs> it was actually pretty funny because you know at the time my uh self-esteem was pretty shitty and so this guy came up to me and just and i thought like oh he's gonna hit on me he just asked me like if i had a cigarette and i'm like oh no i don't <laughs> and you wanted him <laughs> to be like hey Hey, nice crutches. <laughs> I mean,
0: it's funny because when when I go to a club, people bend down <laughs> to me all the time. Oh, hi, good to see you. Are you having a good night out? And I'm always like, oh, it's like stop, no, like stop. <laughs> yeah, please stop. Did anybody like, oh, hey, good to see you here in your crutches. Oh, hi. Do you need any help? Hmm. <laughs> Did they when you yeah. were there?
1: No, 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 no. No one helped no. you. But after that, it was just one of those experiences where, along with kind of the sex part, that I was like, I shouldn't be doing this right now.
0: I mean, I guess the difference between that and, like, a temporary, between a temporary disability and an acquired disability is that, like, you knew somewhere in the back of your mind that you could do it again.
1: Right. I could do it again at some point, but I figured at that point, um, it just wasn't going to work.
0: So one of the things you mentioned in your, in the form, when we talked the other day, you were like, you wanted to tell me stories of you trying to get on transportation with the crutches. And you wanted to tell me specifically about you trying to get on the bus with a crutch. Can you share that story with us?
1: It was horrible. So I had to take, so when I moved back and obviously I was on my crutches, I decided to go back to school because I was just sitting around not doing anything so i wanted to be productive so the school that the junior college that was available to me was about an hour away but um i couldn't drive at the time and so i had to take the bus so take the bus but the bus trip itself would take about two hours oh god one way yeah one way yep because it made all the stops in between like the small towns from where I live, from King City to Salinas, which is where the college was. Um, so yeah, it took about two hours altogether. Uh, it was really so inconvenient because I had once I had I think it was a meniscus. They had asked me to keep my knee straight or as straight as possible, but there was just nowhere to like put my leg up or not even put um, yeah. my leg straight. Like I had to tuck it in somewhere. So you know they just they just weren't accessible where i wasn't able to use them
0: so you had to like so you're on the bus and
1: And super uncomfortable and then it was hurting obviously it was already hurting from whatever they had done but even more so because i was bending it in a weird way and it just was it was pretty bad so like
0: paint this picture so you're so are you in like the wheelchair spot on the bus or
1: are you just trying to sit on a bus well that's what i would start but then it it just depends where I was being picked up. Those spots were already taken. Um, There was like a bench that faced like in. So there was a little bit more leg room. But even at that, even with that little leg room, if I was to get one of those seats, there's so many people piled in that there was nowhere for me to put my leg. Like it just felt like I kind of had to bend it because people were just cramming into this bus and I couldn't really keep my leg extended in the way that i was told by the doctor to do when i was you know just sitting around and what have you
0: and did like and so many people with with wheelchairs not their mobility devices will say like when they get on a bus nobody moves Did you experience like nobody oh yeah totally. wanting to get up for you
1: totally and i'm like okay like let me go back here to this small ass seat and like cram in here but it was always like, you would just think that people would be like, hey, do you want to sit here? Like, seems like you could definitely use the leg room. It just wasn't like that. And they would, know. you know,
0: see you, they would see your disability. So they would see your oh, crutches.
1: Yeah. Right, 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 right. Like, okay, I see my leg here. It's kind of fucked up. You don't want to move?
0: No? Okay. And, oh, wow. <laughs> we'll go to the back. <laughs> but <laughs> it was
1: definitely, yeah, it was an experience. And it just really made me realize, like, myself but also for others who are experiencing you know any type of disability and how people can be really you know not not respecting that or not really being mindful of that that people could benefit from sitting closer or sitting on a bench where there's more leg room um but just people that aren't aware or conscious of it is it, it bothers me Really I
0: also think on public transit we need to do a couple of things. We need to have every seat be a wheelchair seat, whether or not you uh, need a wheelchair, every seat should be equipped for a wheelchair because guess what? Uh, more more than two disabled people want to come go, go on the bus at, at the same time. Secondly, right. like some people have invisible disabilities where they need where they need special seating, and some people have acquired disabilities, and as you've now shown us, some people have temporary disabilities. And they need the fucking seats too. So all the transit should be accessible for everyone yeah. all the time. That's exactly. just what I feel.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. But the unfortunate part about that is like I feel like these bus systems or these uh public transportation systems, their main goal is just to transport <laughs> as many people. Yeah. So of course I would love there to be more room, but I just feel like they don't they don't get it. They don't really get it.
0: I mean they so, should be they should be creating bus lines. that We have paratransit services in, in most parts of the US and most parts of Canada where there's paratransit services where you can like hire, you can like book a bus or a service to take you in your wheelchair to a place. And that's great. Yeah. But oftentimes those services are super long to access. You have to apply to access them. And there's all these like rules to access them. Wouldn't it be great if bus services just were big enough for wheelchairs and spacious enough for other mobility devices like crutches as well, or like also people who have invisible disabilities to travel, like they really should be focusing on creating a whole bus line that is not like door to door, but is conventional buses that are big enough for, uh, for chairs and for everybody.
1: I agree. Yes, totally agree. They should just be. You, you, so you're saying that you there's a separate line that assists you. In- well, I don't know what they have in Carmel, um,
0: but in no, Toronto and kind of
1: maybe a few sections up in the front of the bus that are uh, for wheelchair users.
0: Yeah, they have that. Space. They have that here too. But they also have a service through the city of Toronto and like other mm-hmm. other municipalities pallies have it too where like you can you get a special number and you get assessed by like a team of people who've then determined that you're disabled enough to ride the bus. To ride a bus yeah. that will take you from your house to wherever you're going. Got it. Okay.
1: And so yeah, that'd be great if we got something like that here.
0: But the trouble is that they're like often they're often underfunded so they don't have enough money to like actually get that going properly so people can use the service but they have to wait sometimes like hours for their bus or they have to book the bus a week in advance. There's no spontaneity. And just, I want to go, Oh, speaking of spontaneity, when you became temporarily disabled, like it sounds like before you were disabled, you had kind of the freedom to be spontaneous and do whatever you wanted. Did that change when you acquired, when you became temporarily disabled?
1: Yes. Um, I, well, you know, it was just a matter of thinking about what, Thinking about my temporary disability, my knee in in my case, and what my limitations were and where I was going. So I was invited to a concert. I didn't go. Um, I know specifically uh, certain stadiums or seating is really restrictive and there's not a lot of leg room. So I figured if I can't bend my leg, forget it. I'm not going to go. Or also you have those concerts where everyone's standing and it's like, oh, I can't stand for that long. So I can't do that. Um, so there was just a lot of things. I just had to think about it more, which is crazy because, you know, you're just so used to, well, I was just so used to just going and like, I'm fine. It's not a big deal. We'll figure it out. But I literally had to think about everything, take extra precautions in order to make sure that wherever I was going, I was going to have, you know, opportunity to rest. There was going to be places for me to sit. I was not going to have to stand for so long. I didn't have to walk long distances. And so it just became a, an extra thing to do when before, obviously, I would just go. It wasn't that big of that, I didn't think about it. And so you were just like, fuck it. I'll just stay home and not go? Yeah. Well, there were certain things that I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Definitely and, not going
0: to do that. And so did that change, like... You seem like a pretty social guy. Did that change your like the way your friends saw you, the way people saw you in the community because you couldn't just go anymore?
1: Yeah. You know, there was a few acquaintances that i would hang out with that you know that my disability almost became a little bit of a burden although it wasn't clearly stated or they didn't say it specifically to my face but there were certain things that they didn't invite me to because they knew that i was on crutches i couldn't there were certain things that i couldn't do and which i mean (sighs) it's bullshit they should have given me the opportunity to say no but they took it upon themselves to be like let's just not include him in this because you know if it's like a concert or something like that where he's gonna have to stand or he's gonna have to or a club for instance or a theme park type deal well he's not gonna be able to go because he can't stand or he can't bend his knee or whatever like it was just very uh but i just what was annoying for me was people took the liberty of making the decision for me Instead of allowing me to be like, "I don't want to do that, that's not something I should do. but
0: yeah, and I think it's important that I that we reiterate that like even if I'm disabled and there's no way that I can get to your event, invite me anyway, yeah. and then I will right. decide if I want to take the risk of going there and having it be inaccessible and trying right. I'll, I'll make the decision for myself. but don't not invite me. And inviting me means that you were thinking of me anyway. And, like, that's an important thing. And I want to be thought of, even if I can't be there, that like I still want to be included in it, at least the
1: invite. Exactly. Exactly. Allowing people to just make the decision for themselves.
0: Um, You talked a lot about the club that you went to. Was this a, was this a queer club? Yeah. And I'm only asking because, like, so much, so many of queer clubs are, like, inaccessible from this experience of going yeah. to their on crutches. Like, what would you change in a club to make it accessible in a queer club?
1: Well, obviously making more room for there to be um, be, having it be more accessible for wheelchair users, but also just allowing I, I, but see, that's, that's the issue with the clubs. Well, most clubs at least is that it's all about numbers for them. So if they can pack in 200 people, do it. But packing in 200 people also makes it really hard to get around, even if there are spaces available for people with wheelchair or wheelchair users to navigate through. Yeah, but I also feel like just keeping the either having bigger spaces, but also limiting the amount of people that are able to be in or the uh, the uh, capacity yeah, capacity. Sorry, because I think um, that's really important. All about numbers and in many respects to these clubs, nightclubs where like, okay, let's pack in as much as we can pack in and then you you also are limiting the space for people with uh disabilities to move around to navigate through your the, the club, if you will.
0: Yeah. Um was there anything else on about the club scene that you would change from your experience?
1: Uh if you have a two floor, you need an elevator. I mean fucking yes you do, and it needs to be yeah.
0: and it needs to be working like, all okay, the like, okay.
1: time, right? None of this. Oh, it's not working today. Okay, why isn't it fixed? Yeah, like it what? should. It needs to be. Now, it, working on it. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I had a question about because I just did an episode on the show about like how to help your disabled lover go pee. Um, I'm curious about when you're on crutches, like how do you, how do you do that?
1: How do I pee? if you
0: when if you're using like crutches that like because i'm assuming you have to hold your trunk and do all that stuff like how do you how is that different from say i would
1: either do like the balancing act so i'd balance on obviously the good leg and then pee that way or i would sit down sitting down is the jam like a dignified lady i mean <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> amazing um yeah <laughs> um yeah, plus I needed to sit down anyway. You know, I was like tired of being on my crutches yeah, so just Yeah, like, a-
0: I'll just sit down and pee. It's good.
1: Nah, I'll just gonna sit down. It's fine.
0: <laughs> and so, like, speaking of the bathroom and stuff, in like, let's say you're in the club and you have to pee, what kind of things would you need in the bathroom to do that, to like use the bathroom properly as a crutch user?
1: I mean, it is every club that I've been to has always just been really the maintenance of the restrooms has been is disgusting so that club that i went to um i i did go to use the restroom but the floors were wet now i don't know if you know it might have been people peeing or whatever water overflow water overflow what have Or you.
0: But who there knows? was just
1: no way i was like i had to be very careful to not eat shit in the bathroom because the floors were wet And it's like, I just feel like that's very typical where the bathrooms, there's no upkeep of bathrooms during, while the club is like, you know, open, I guess. Do you think Mindful of Because if someone walks in, and even more from a liability standpoint for them too, is like someone slips and eats shit, like the floors were wet, like no one was being mindful.
0: I think that more clubs should have like family-sized washrooms, like they do in food (laughs) courts and like they do in malls, like put a family-sized washroom in a club because then if I want to have an orgy in the bathroom and go pee at the same time, I exactly. can do that. Everything.
1: Exactly. It, yeah, check, check, and check.
0: Check, check, and check. Um, <laughs> um, so one of the things you said in your form that made me laugh so hard when I got it was you were, I was like, what do you want to talk about sex and disability? And you said to me, and when we were talking about it, you said there are a lot of disabilities that you find super sexy. And so I have okay. to ask you, what do you mean by that? And what disabilities do you find the sexiest and why?
1: Well, I think all disabilities can be sexy. But I feel like for me, is wheelchair users? Oh. Go yeah. on. <laughs> Go on. But, um, like... you know, I just you no, know, the 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 argument that I was making um was that There's there's sexy and everything, including people that are disabled. It's not just excluded for able bodied individuals. It's just disabilities can be sexy and are sexy. Like that was really the argument that I was trying to make with that, Um, that people don't you know, people don't think like, oh, this person that's in that's a wheelchair user has sex or has desires of having sex with someone. Like I just feel like that's complete bullshit. We're all sexual beings, regardless of whether you're able bodied or in a or in a chair. Like it doesn't in or a wheelchair user, like it's complete bullshit. I uh,
0: also like during during the course of this conversation you were very careful to, to be mindful of your language and I, I appreciate that. But also don't worry about the stumbling. I think the stumbling is first of all, it's adorable. Secondly, I think that every every little bit of like Everyone has a different way of, of using language around disabilities, so don't feel like you have to, especially on here, yeah. don't feel too worried about, like, oh, no, i am going to say the wrong thing? I think what's cool about you kind of figuring out which language to use is that it's a learning process, and I think that's important to remember, too.
1: Yes. Yes, and it definitely has been, so <laughs> i try to catch my
0: Back to you, telling me how wheelchair users are the hardest. I'm, I'm, just in case you forgot, I'm a, I'm a wheelchair user. So if you, th- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are. I had no idea. You, you never would have guessed. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> um, we we had talked before I hit record about you. You have a partner, which is who, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Do you think that if you acqu- you, you have I don't know how to phrase this. Do you think that if you had a temporary disability again, your partner would be comfortable with that?
1: I think maybe initially it could be, just for anyone, could be a little uncomfortable. But I really feel, how strong is a relationship? How does that person really feel about you that matters? So, do I feel like, in my particular case, that my boyfriend would be supportive and help? Totally. Totally, totally. But it just really depends. I mean, it's obviously a big change for some people, but I also feel that that's a real, that can really determine where your relationship stands and how dedicated this person is to you. Yeah. Whether they stick around or support you and, you know, help you out with this. Because it's not just about loving someone or caring about someone while they're able bodied and how you met them, because things happen, right? I could potentially become disabled at some point in my life, but. I'd love to think that this person would be there and support me and help me and be there, you know? Totally. Totally. Um, So your question, yes, he will be there.
0: Amazing. I wanted to ask (laughs) you about, I had two questions popped in my head as you were talking about that. I want to ask you about when you had the knee injury and you were like, oh, I don't want to drink off. I don't want to masturbate anymore. I don't want to do any of that. Did you, like, what different positions did you try to, like, to achieve self-pleasure?
1: It was mainly, I I was more laying down type of stuff, um, which, not that I don't enjoy, but it was just, uh, I, I, I was just so used to being so versatile in that respect that I had to just settle with, like, okay, I'm going to jerk off, I can't, like jerk off wherever the hell i want like it has to be in bed because i'm not i'm not applying pressure to my leg i'm not trying to balance on one leg with the crutch like whatever right it was just I, I just figured that if i did try it would have to be lying down
0: okay follow-up question where did you jerk off before
1: wherever i damn well pleased all right then hi <laughs> standing up <laughs> you know, or on my knees on the bed. Like there was just no restrictions. I, I didn't have to think about that. You know, it was just like, if I did it, if I was with someone or whatever, like I just did it. It wasn't wherever that might have been, but because of my temporary disability, I had to do it just lying down. And
0: another question that I had while while you were talking <laughs> Because you keeping of all these good points, man. I'm like, oh, I have to ask this. Um, did yeah. you did you feel when you became temporarily disabled? Did that affect your like masculinity or your manhood at
1: all? Or did you feel that? Yeah. You did? Yeah, I didn't feel. I honestly didn't feel like a man anymore. As crazy as that sounds, I just didn't feel like I was that guy anymore. Like I was just. I didn't, it was almost like I didn't work. Like I wasn't a functioning person anymore to where including that I can, I can do it. I just, it was a really, it was, like I said before, it was an interesting time, but it also just made me realize how, how distorted our idea is about masculinity and, but also about certain issues with like, for instance, sexual dysfunction issues that people don't inco- don't actually, like, don't
0: <sighs> Sorry, think about don't it, really.
1: <laughs> Yeah, they don't really think about. Or that I at least think about it in a sense that it's something that happens and that it's okay. But I was just always thought, like, oh, crap, like, no erection. You're trash. Like, you're old. Like, that's it. But <laughs> it happens. To where like some days it's okay, some days it's not. Like even now, sometimes I gotta wait a while, and it's not like instant. But I just feel like that, that 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 idea is just super. It's really distorted to where people think like, oh, if they're not hard when I'm ready, then he doesn't. He's not into me, or he's got an erectile, uh, an erection issue, or what have you. But it's not like that. Everyone's different, and I think the more we understand that we're all different, and it might take this person versus this person a little while to get there or that it might happen and that's okay. It's just that notion that it's okay if it happens. It's not the end of the world. They don't find you less attractive. That's just, just how their body's working. Totally, different. totally. Um, what advice
0: would you give to somebody who has a temporary disability and is maybe feeling some of the ways that you described? Like, What advice would you give to them now that you've been kind of through that? Do you have any advice you would offer?
1: I definitely encourage um, counseling. I would also encourage just tuning into your body, uh, understanding that your temporary disability might, you know, trip up a few normal processes of your body, and that it's okay. It's not. It's not the end of the world. It's. It doesn't make you less of a person or less of a human. Uh, It just. It what it was for me is I wish I had someone there to be like, it's fine. Like these things happen. It's, it's not the end of the world. These things occur in these type of situations to where I didn't want to have sex or I didn't feel it, or I wasn't mentally in it. And, and just to, just so that they know that it's okay. It's not, they're not weird. They're not, you know, abnormal. It's just something that their body's experiencing something that they're going through that, but that doesn't make it, the worst thing ever that could potentially happen. So, just becoming more aware that things things will happen as you're it, when you are temporarily disabled, but that it's okay. Um. And, and do you have
0: any advice for people who have been disabled their whole lives, or people who uh, acquired disability because of this temporary disability? <sighs>
1: I mean, it's definitely a, a different mentality that you have to, um, you have to develop or work on in a sense because, you know, when you have a temporary disability, and the word "temporary" isn't the word. So you know, it's not going to last forever. But when your disables, when your disabilities become more permanent, um, it's just a matter of working through that, but also becoming more aware of. The things that you're, whatever your specific disability is, what restrictions or things or issues that you, that might come up, becoming more aware of your disability and your body, especially just listening to your body, I think is really important.
0: I totally agree. And I think so many of us with disabilities that whether acquired, whether temporary or whether like full time, listening to your body can be hard because oftentimes it feels like your body betrays you a lot. Did you feel... Yeah. Well, it sounds like you sort of did. You did sort of feel like your body betrayed you a little bit during this process?
1: Yeah. My blood flow was trash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love how that's code for you couldn't get hard.
1: I like. I-, I-, I enjoyed that.
0: Couldn't um, get hard. <laughs> amazing. Uh, Manny Diaz, this was a great chat. You're awesome. Um, You know I love you. You're great. Uh,
1: you. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Any time. Do you have any parting well let me rephrase that first how do people get a hold of you how can they get a hold of you to follow your work uh, you can reach reach-
1: through, yeah you can reach us through the duo.com website um there are some uh there's a email on there you guys can reach us through um and yeah but also if a sign off note if i must having sexual issues or things that come up is totally normal and i think that the more we we train ourselves to not think of them as like the worst thing ever or judge someone else who's experiencing something like that is just huge to eliminate that stigma that that we're not normal or we're not you know functioning properly that things like this happen and it's okay
0: yeah i totally agree with you it's it is okay to be whatever level of disability you need and i think for those of us right. who are Tem- Temporarily disabled and who experience disability in a disability and ability in a a not lean, linear way and sometimes we'll be able bodied and sometimes we won't and that's okay. Um, and uh, thank you for sharing that perspective, um, Manny Diaz. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and it was really that's weird nice to talk pleasure. to you in like a professional capacity because we I know. usually send <laughs> each other hilariously inappropriate texts, so this is weird, but uh. <laughs> Exactly. But thank you so much for coming on today and we you and I will talk probably in about five seconds when we're Perfect. when we're done. Okay.
1: Alright. Bye. Thank you, Andrew. Bye bye. Perfect. Alright. Thank you, Andrew. Bye-bye.
0: Alright, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. I've been your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and coming back each week. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com. The website definitely needs an update, but there you can find my blogs, some of the videos I've been in, some of the talks I've done, you can also book me to come to your event and shine a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between at your next event, you can do that there through AndrewGurza.com. You can follow me on all my social media at It's Andrew That's I-T-S Andrew Gerza So I-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A I know I've changed them a bunch over the last few weeks, but this one's gonna stick So It's Andrew Gerza on Insta, Facebook, and Twitter um, all the places to follow me. You can follow the podcast specifically at Pod on Twitter. Uh, we do have a Disability After Dark Facebook page, which you can follow at facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. Um, but I do most of the of the awareness stuff for the podcast on Twitter at Pod. There I do a lot of polls to find out what kind of episodes you want. I ask a lot of questions to find out to get guests. I ask, what kind of things around disability do you want to hear? So make sure to follow us there as well. Um, yeah, that's the show, and thank you so much for coming back to listen. If you want to, again, if you want to support the show, patreon.com disabilityafterdark. You can pledge at whatever level you're able to, but $1 a month and $5 a month gets you the perks, which is the show one day early, ad-free, and a, a special shout-out for me, as well on an episode thanking you for your contribution to keep programs like this up and running, and I would really appreciate your support. Also, please leave a review on Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts, so the shows like this can actually get recognition and shows around disability, which are so sparse in our media landscape, can actually get recognized. So let people know you love the show, and I would really, really appreciate it. But, uh, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Cripple Content Creations, with music by Chris Sujiji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020.